This episode is powered by Safety FM. In this episode, we're going to go over OSHA's response to COVID-19 in all its facets. So it's a truly a, a big phenomenon, and it's tragic in several, several ways. So therefore, OSHA's got a lot of things that they have to go through, and they have to grade with a curve, if you will, including respirator use, fit testing, uh, enforcements, all kinds of things that they're thinking about. So I am going to kind of go through some of the public information that is currently available with relations to OSHA COVID-19. So this is things that your clients are going to start asking you about. These are some things that you may have to just tell your clients, you know, this is my recommendation for the situation, even down to, you know, fit testing. If you can provide fit testing services, this might be the best time to start advertising for that because even the test supplies are in short uh, in demand. So that is the episode for today. So hang out and we're going to have a word from our sponsor and then we'll be right back. Do you want to be a safety consultant? Listen to Dr. J. Allen of Safety FM give his experience after taking the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. I have actually done research on different consultants and looked at different consulting courses and so on. There is a pretty fancy, very expensive consulting course that is out there. I have actually purchased the consulting course, was interested in it. It has good information. Don't get me wrong. But you have a consulting course that really drives people on to focusing on safety and how to become a safety consultant. I will tell you on your particular course, there was better information in that particular regards than the other consulting course that was more of a generalist form. But I figured I felt like I got more information out of yours on you giving people direct path on what to do step by step. But I really think that you have a genuine good product there that can really assist people if they're interested in becoming a safety consultant. Register for the Safety Consultant Blueprint at www.safetyconsultantblueprint.com. Enter code PODCAST for a special discount. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. And again, I am your host, Sheldon Primus. It's funny because uh, the actual show title would have been Safety Consultant Podcast, but in some way I couldn't get all that done, so I ended up having to do Safety Consultant with Sheldon. And uh, so when I say, welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast, I'm your host, Sheldon Primus. It's like, yeah, the show says your name on there, so you'll have to say you're Sheldon Primus. But all right. I'm used to doing it now, so I'm doing it. You guys are used to my geeky, my, my geeky ways, right? So anyway, I'm going to uh, just kind of... I know I don't want to be like completely COVID-centric because everyone else is probably COVID-centric right now, but I am going to tell you a few things that you should be looking for because your clients are going to be asking you some of these things as well. So... I am, you know, an OSHA specialist, 
and some of the things that I've always referred back to was the OSHA site. So I'm going to do this one, this episode, as to kind of flipping you through the OSHA site and just kind of going through it so that we can get a good idea of uh, what OSHA is going to be looking for. So first, let's go to the OSHA website, which is osha.gov backslash COVID hyphen 19. If you're driving, you're going to be listening to this again later on when you're not driving. And then you could go ahead and, you know, follow the website. So once you get to this, you want to make sure that you review some of the things that they always have, the control, the prevention, and it is your basic industrial hygiene, which is the mode of entry of any contaminant is going to come through ingestion, inhalation. It could also be adhere, uh, absorption and then also uh, in, uh, what's the other one? Uh, oh, when you get like a needle prick or, or, or finger prick injection see you guys help me out with that one so ingestion swallow it inhalation injection or absorption so in this case it's an airborne disease so therefore inhalation and also if you ingest it are going to be the ways that you're really going to think of uh, the covid uh, bug which is a, a form of the SARS is going to affect you so as that happens you're really going to have to think about where you're breathing what parts of your body is going to your eyes or to your mouth or to your nose because those are ways of mode of transmission for it to get into your body so that's why they tell you to frequently wash your hands for 20 seconds or more. Uh, you could apply uh, alcohol, which is at least 60% alcohol. So the stuff you're drinking, unless you're making moonshine. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if people still doing that. Yeah, oh yeah, they used to have a show with that. Uh, well, not used to. I think they still do. You know, the moonshiners, whatever. You know, grab a hold of them. They've got the right alcohol content for this, but it needs to be uh, 60% alcohol uh, in order for you to, you know, use that as part of your cleaning. So, touching your eyes, your nose, your mouth. Um, with unwashed hands, that's the way of mode of entry, okay? So the baseline of all the regulations are going to be this. They're going to say either you're going to monitor how you uh, have people together, like social distancing practices, or what kind of engineering controls do you have? You know, fans and uh, other things, exhaust fans. Those might be the engineering controls you could use. Another engineering control you're going to see, if you haven't seen already, in the grocery stores, they're using the little plates up there to make sure that you can't get spit out to you. There's a few other things that you're going to see out there as, as controls. So those are some of the things that OSHA is going to have in the back of their regulation mind. So uh, first and foremost, let's just put that out there. So there's some standards that are uh, absolutely affected uh, by this so you're going to see a, a few of those uh, standards one is the the work exposure kind of record keeping 
that one's going to be tough. It really is, because without a way of OSHA figuring out that directly this transmission is coming from coworker to coworker, then you may not actually have them saying this is a transmission from the work environment. Unless you're like Smithfield, uh, that, that one uh, package, uh, meat packing, and there's another one out there, J, J something, B, J, O, B, J, no, can't be J, O, B, totally agree. But anyway, the other one, the, the one in Colorado area, you know, truly, the workers are getting sick. Some of them, I think it was like 700 cases in one plant. It's very reasonable then for the OSHA inspector to say this can be coming co-worker to co-worker. And therefore, that can be a violation to that actual Smithfield plant. If you're the consultant there, if you're the safety and health officer there, you know, those controls are going to be very important. But imagine not being able to test to see who needs to come back to work or not if they have latent carrying traits or whatever, you don't know. So therefore, everyone's going to have to have a respirator. Every time someone touches something, even with their gloved hands, the gloved hand is protecting them. But if the surface is infected, then each glove's going to be infected. You're going to end up having have a clean glove, dirty club proto uh, glove protocol, which is clean gloves go on first, and then you put a second set of gloves over that. So therefore, you're touching things with the second pair, outer pair of gloves, dirty hands. So when you're ready to take off the outer pair of gloves, then now you have clean hands underneath, then you can start having some confidence that you could put your hands closer to like taking off your glasses or something similar to that. I'm not saying put your gloved hand in your mouth. You know, there's a meme out there uh, where someone's at Walmart and they're basically at their cart and they're at the cart with one glove in their mouth as they're holding their phone with their uh, gloved other gloved hand and they're kind of navigating their phone with the hand that doesn't have the glove because the, the gloves in the guy's mouth don't do that <laughs> that guy not thinking it through uh, anyway that's you know the clean glove dirty glove thing so in those cases you know that's another way of you know protecting yourself you might have to tell your clients about that one too so one of the standards that is going to be pretty much in flux, if you will, is because is the record keeping because truly, unless there's a big case out there, OSHA can't tell if this transmission is coming employee to employee as opposed to someone in, in that circle of influence. Now, the other thing, well, let's, uh, I'm going to take you to the record keeping uh, site real quick. Uh, OSHA.gov and you're going to go to uh, I'm going to kind of spell this one out for you. S-L-T-S-C backslash COVID hyphen 19 backslash standards with an S and then it's period HTML. So it's OSHA.gov backslash S-L-T-C backslash COVID hyphen 19 backslash standards with an S 
www.ghtml. All right, so that's going to take you directly to the page. So once you get to that page on the right side, and this is the standards page, you're going to see where it says record uh, recording workplace exposure to COVID-19. I'm going to read this one out for you. OSHA record keeping requirements, 1904 mandates covered employees record certain work related injuries and illnesses. COVID-19 can be recordable illness if a worker is affected as a result of the performing their work related duties. However, employers are only responsible for recording cases of COVID-19 if all of the following are true. And this is a three-part thing. And all of these things have to be true before you record it. Number one, the case is confirmed case of COVID-19. And that's coming from a CDC guidance of when it's confirmed on person under investigation or presumed positive from a laboratory confirmed case of COVID-19. So that right there is telling you that if the person is tested or at least presume that they have it, and the reason and the way they do that is, uh, doctors will they'll look at the symptoms, and then they'll kind of say, okay, well the symptoms is behaving the same way that this person would behave if they have COVID-19, and then they start ruling out things that uh, you know seasonal flu or whatever it is. They start ruling those things out, and when it says, well, it's not any of these. But it's symptoms that are similar to COVID-19, then that's close enough where they say presumptively positive. So that's one of the things, all right? If you check the box there, the second thing, the case is work-related, which is, you know, generally 1904, Section 5. And then the third thing, the case involves one or more of the recorded general criteria, which is in 1904, which means treatment beyond first aid. Did the person actually have a day away of work? Or were they restricted? Or were they transferred? Or was there a loss of consciousness? Any of those things? Then therefore, all three things are, are there. So now you could say this is a recordable case of COVID-19. So that's one of the first things that you're going to see as far as the standards. Uh, second thing you're going to see with the standard that's going to be affected and how OSHA is going to be related to this. PPE. Isn't that a word that you've been hearing, you know, thrown around all kinds of places? There's people saying PPE now that probably would have never even known what it was. And you hear it in the news constantly and probably your buddies are telling you all about PPE and you're like, dude, that's what I do for a living. <laughs> Leave me alone. Of course I know about PPE. So 1904, uh, excuse me, 1910 subpart I is our PPE section there. At, or if you're in construction, you're in subpart E in 1926. So if you are, you know, thinking about PPE and the requirements of PPE, especially respiratory and gloves, then that's going to tell you you're going to have, you know, a hazard assessment. And if there's a PPE hazard assessment, who is going around doing a COVID hazard assessment of the location? That means if you're the consultant, you might be the one doing this stuff. So how are you going to do a PPE hazard assessment of that? And then if respiratory protection is needed, all of 1910-134, you're going to have to really get a good handle of so you know exactly now what is required. Though, 
OSHA's been pretty good about uh, saying that they're marking or grading that that one with the curve. And uh, what I'll do is uh, we'll go over that uh, specifically respiratory in a little bit. Uh, another standard that's going to be effective is a general duty clause, right? So. Uh, Airborne diseases, unless you're in California, isn't in the standard, right? Uh, California does have a standard for aerosol transmitted diseases. Uh, that Cal standard, you know, California is always ahead of the game, right? Uh, they're aimed specifically at making sure that people are not affected by airborne transmitted diseases. So they have a standard for that already, uh, but Federal OSHA does not. So uh, any of the ATD, uh, ATD, if you're not in California, you're going to end up going to the actual OSHA standard, and that OSHA standard isn't going to be there. So what you're going to end up finding is you're going to be finding OSHA saying you have a 5A1 uh, violation of the general duty clause. So the 5A1 violation says that you as the employer are required to furnish to each one of your employees an employment or replacement employment that is free from recognized hazards that are causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm. COVID-19 is known to likely cause serious physical harm. So therefore, if you are having a workplace without any protection, you are now violating the general duty clause. So that's another one that OSHA is going to have a, a law that is going to be affected. Uh, Bloodborne pathogen, that 1910-1030 rule, that's going to be affected as well because bodily fluids, including respiratory secretions, which is a bodily fluid, uh, you know, that is one of the things that they're thinking of. So let's see. Let me read this because since it's a bloodborne pathogen rule, 1910-30, uh, secretion from respiratory does not include blood typically unless there's a, an issue. So that should actually be exempt. So see, you guys are hearing me uh, go through this as I'm doing my... I can always edit it, but I, I don't like doing that. I might as well just go ahead and let you guys go through my brain at the same time. So it should be excluded because even though it's an exposure to a bodily fluid, it's not going to have a bloodborne effect. But let me uh, look that up real quick. All right. Oh, right here in the standard. OSHA's uh, bloodborne pathogen standard uh, 1910 1030 applies to occupational exposure to human blood or other potentially infected material that typically do not include respiratory secretions that may be containing contained SARS COVID-2, which is actually the, the technical name of the COVID-19, unless the visible blood is present. Okay, summary. Uh, however, the provision of the standard after a framework that may help control some sources of virus includes bodily fluids, e.g. respiratory secretion, not covered by the standard. So therefore, that means that they, they will kind of consider it there because it's already giving you the framework and that framework is universal precautions as being something that you could use. Uh, for protecting yourself from that hazard. So therefore, yeah, I can see that. Um, a lot of this stuff is going to be flexible right now for, for OSHA. 
So let's see, I uh, got clicked over to the respiratory protection on California's page, and that is going to be uh, Cal OSHA Title 8, and that is their section 5199. So Cal OSHA's um, aerosol transmission diseases standard, uh, standard without apprentices, Title 8 in the CCR, and it's section 5199. So California's already been up on this. And this has been out there, so they, they've truly um, been been there for a while. So California passes the first two occupational standards in the nation to prevent worker illness uh, from infectious disease that can be transmitted by inhaling air that contains viruses, bacteria, and other uh, disease organisms. Aerosol transmission disease standard, which applies to workplaces uh, at high risk of infection, such as hospital, clinics, emergency, medical services, laboratories, prisons, and homeless shelters. And two, the ADT standard, zoonotic, which protects workers from disease spread to humans by animals. So that's uh, the standard. So I read it out to you just now. And again, so Cal OSHA has actually, you know, figured this stuff out. I think people are going to really start looking at, at their standard and, and making that more and more uh, something that the other OSHAs will do. The other thing that you're going to see with them, um, well, first let's dig into uh, the actual uh, OSHA has come and then you're going to see the sanitation standard also be one of the things that you're going to see OSHA kind of regulate because of this. Uh, respiratory protection. There's a lot that is um, that is out there now with the respiratory protection. There's a, a whole memorandum page regarding this, and one of the things that they talk about is yes, healthcare respiratory annual fitness does remain in effect. Uh, there are our respiratory or should say respiratory protection standard that you know outside of the healthcare industry that remains in effect however OSHA says that uh, they are grading some of these things with a you know with a curve because truly supplies are limited so that's going to also affect the cleaning standard of your respiratory your respirators and uh, well, cleaning as in the disposable ones, your N95s are supposed to be disposable, you know, that is currently affected. So, uh, the, just got a, a post that just came up. Consideration for release of stockpiled N95 beyond the manufacturer's designated shelf life. So right now, there is a stockpile of N95 masks, and this is on the CDC website. If you go cdc.gov, coronavirus, uh, they are thinking of re releasing some of these things. And if they are, then that is going to truly affect what they're calling a manufacturer recommendation. And then, you know, like I've always said, you've heard it on the show before, you know, if you have a manufacturer recommendation uh, the best thing to do is call the manufacturer or get a hold of them and saying hey what happens if i use this the day after your manufacturer recommendation expires what's going to happen to this thing is it going to you know dissolve or it's not going to be able to be useful anymore 
if that's the case, then therefore uh, you have them put that in writing. So let me read this to you since it just like popped up as of uh, uh, April 16th. Says N95s that are past or manufacturer's designated shelf life are no longer considered NIOSH approved as all manufacturer designated conditions of use must be met to maintain the NIOSH approval. In times of increased demand and decreased supply, consider considerations can be made to use the N95 models beyond the manufacturer designated shelf life will be protective. Uh, CDC recommends that N95s that have exceeded their manufacturer-designated shelf life should be used only as outlined in the strategy optimized uh, strategy, which is called strategies for optimizing the supply of N95. So basically, they give you like a little, you know, guideline saying, "All right, if you got to use it, then use it per this guideline." So that's uh, that's what they're they're working on right now. So it kind of looks like they're going to use it. And even in OSHA's guidance right now for this thing, they are going to be enforcing on a curve. Their enforcement on a curve, even though everything still remains in effect, they're going to have the inspectors use their, their professional judgment if there's good faith with the organization saying, all right, you company, you have to wear the respirators this time. You have a respirator shortage. We're in good faith with you. We believe you will have your workers' best interest at heart. All right, we're not going to cite you on this one. We're going to grade you, grade you with a curve and uh, do your best. Even with the fit testing, they're saying, you know, you don't have all the supplies anymore to do fit testing uh, until they create new reagents and everything else that they need. So therefore, in good faith, we'll mark you with a curve. And that's basically what they're saying here. So there's a whole bunch of things. So what I'm going to do, and I can't go through every single thing however i do want to implore you go to that covid 19 page really start looking at some of the things that you could provide service for your customers if you're not a safety consultant yet but you might be able to uh you know springboard this into a career and that's fine too but if you're still working for your company and hopefully they kept you on board then you know you have to dig through this material so that you know exactly how you're going to uh, talk to your people and keep them informed all right so stay tuned after these messages from the sponsor our message from the, our sponsor then we're going to come back with a tip of the week so stay tuned Consultant.us group is a group that is set up for other people that are safety consultants and those that want to be safety consultants. A resource site that will give you the ideas that you need for growing your business, such as teaching resources, because you got to be a teacher when you're out there. And that's going to be part of your base for growing your clients. Get, get your chops so that we have OSHA compliance Top. topics, including written programs and assessments that you could use for getting your business going. And also, it's a group community of other people that are doing what you're doing as a safety consultant. Welcome back to the Safety Consultant Podcast. And first and foremost, I'd like to thank you for uh, 
your just support and I truly feel that everything has been really good lately for uh, support of the show uh, thank you for reaching out to me you could email me Sheldon at safetyconsultant.us so that's Sheldon at safetyconsultant.us so you can email me there uh, you could go to the show at safetyconsultantpodcast.com if you're interested in taking the course you go to the safetyconsultantblueprint.com and then from there you can learn how to be a safety consultant this might be your, your time to, to branch out like the last episode said if you feel like you are going to get the, the boot or you feel like your actual time might be coming short with your company and you want to take matters into your own hands well hey right now this might be your opportunity yeah so you want to learn how to become a safety consultant go ahead and take the course safety consultant blueprint com. Use the code podcast and you're going to get a discount on that one. For those of you that would like to support the program in any way, I want to introduce to you my Patreon page. You go to patreon.com backslash safety consultant, patreon.com backslash safety consultant. All right, so let's go through the tip of the week. So this is a tip of the week. We talked a lot about what OSHA has really been adjusting and changing and doing. So right now, one of the things I've been thinking about is how can you actually start doing some quantitative fit testing for yourself? Qualitative is different. You gotta have real equipment for that. But quantitative, I use the Saccharin solution, or excuse me, the Bitrix solution. Go out there, you know, do the regular fit testing that you would see on Appendix A, and uh, then go ahead and work through that system, and then get your your um, clients fit tested. Of course, you have to make sure they get their physicals in, because you got to do that, right? So if they don't do that, then they can't have the fit testing. So I want you to go on the OSHA website and go and make sure you look at the Appendix A in the appendix A for subpart I, that is going to give you step by step by step ways of doing uh, the fit testing per what solutions you're going to be using. So it becomes very important for you to really uh, try to figure that one out. So uh, it's your 1910-134 appendix A and in that appendix A in the standard, as you're really going to start flipping through that, if you're using Bitrix or Saccharin or whatever solution you're using, they kind of outline everything for you there and how to do it. So I would definitely just get a hold of that one and really start looking at that. Uh, OSHA does have a video for fit testing as well, and uh, that one is on the OSHA website. You would have to go to respiratory testing and just type that in and then you'll see the, the video there. It's really not too hard to do. When I used to work for uh, the city of Orlando and then I worked for a few other mis uh, municipalities, I was the one that was taking the, the test and 
and having to do all the things that I need to do so I could wear my full face respirator and be on uh, supplied air as well as N95 filters and everything else. It's not that hard. And then when I started administering tests, you know, again, not that hard. You follow the policies, you follow the procedures, you're good. And this time, however, materials is getting scarce. So that means if you're going to be doing fit testing, you will have to fit test the workers on whatever equipment they're using, but your solutions might not be readily available. So if you start doing a lot of these, you'll have to make sure that you have enough solutions uh, that you could finish all your tests. So go ahead and you know grab that stuff up and make sure that you have that available. All right, so that is your tip of the week. And I want you to just hang in there this time is going to be something that it will pass you just want to make sure you're smart make sure that you're dedicated and don't give up but go with the cash cash is king right now right but you got this you got this i'm looking forward to seeing you guys on the patreon page and then i also want to uh, just tell you i'm just going to keep coming out with these twitch cast if you haven't been on twitch.com and the safety consultant show uh, look me up on that i don't have a regular time it was going to be tuesday and thursdays at 10 but uh, or 10 30 i can't really do that anymore so i'm just going to make sure i do two a week so be available join twitch so when it does come on you'll be able to get the notification that hey sheldon's live on twitch all right so uh, have a wonderful week and go get them. This episode has been powered by Safety FM.